Just in these closing moments, I wanted to um, let you know that I've started a very strict exercise regime. Oh, oh, Matt, oh, that Ben, that was a bit awkward. Um, <laughs> no, look, I have. I've decided that I would start trying to go for a walk every morning. So I've been doing about 2.9 kilometres. I know, I know, it's amazing, isn't it? But I prefer to think of it in the weekly thing where I say I'm doing about 21 kilometres a week. I know, again, sounds amazing, doesn't it? Sounds much better, 21 kilometres. But anyway, I'm going for my walk this morning and uh, I wear reading glasses, you see, and I didn't have my reading glasses on. And I live in a fairly newish area and I was coming around the corner and I saw one of the electricity posts had... Um, these posters of white pieces of paper and I thought, oh, there must be a dog lost in the area. Now, that's usually what's on the posters, isn't it? What else? A cat, you know. My black cat is missing. Uh, a garage sale's happening. My husband is missing. Yeah, not sure about that one. So I'm thinking, oh, so what does it say? And as I'm getting up closer, I see, and this was not what I expected to read. But then I remembered that it's 2016 and I am so five years ago, so I'm taking a little while to catch up because it said, lost, drone, please return to. It had the address, it had the phone number. Now, everyone under 30, you know what a drone is? Do you know what a drone is? Yeah. Everyone over 50 is going, truly, you're just speaking Hebrew. I uh, have no idea what you're talking about. But you know those drones, apparently remote controlled, and they actually go up and they get a bird's eye view of everything. One is lost in Kerwin as we speak. If you see it, I have the mobile phone number. So just let me know and uh, I'll return it to its owner. But that wasn't what I expected to see this morning. So it got me thinking... Um, about what a drone does. Now, apparently the police are using them now where they can, you know, observe things. I would probably say that besides the police using them, there's probably people who are doing things illegally with them as well. <laughs> but anyway, no one go out and get yourself a drone. <laughs> but I was thinking about that and I was thinking about the, the portion from the Bible that I was thinking of talking about tonight, which really... In a way, it was about some people getting a bird's-eye view of Jesus. Just like if there'd been a drone in Jesus' day, this is where it would have happened. So there's this account in the, in the scriptures, in the book of Mark. And uh, if, Jesus, if drones were around, there, was, there probably could have been one that recorded these events. We're going to read the portion out of the book of Mark and it's going to come up on the screen, hopefully. It's from Mark chapter 2, if you've got your Bibles on your phone or on your iPad or anything. Have we got the scriptures there? And this is the account uh, from Mark chapter 2, where it says, When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. And soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. So you get a picture of what's happening here. But while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralysed man on a mat. 
They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. And then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. They had a bird's eye view of Jesus. Next slide. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of the religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. And so he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralysed man, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, stand up, pick up your mat and walk? So I will prove to you, Jesus said, that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. And then Jesus turned to the paralysed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And the man jumped up grabbed his mat and walked out through the stunned onlookers. And here's this phrase, they were all amazed and they praised God, exclaiming, we have never seen anything like this before. I just had a few little thoughts when I read this, this portion from the Bible that I wanted to share with you. You know, one of the things we see in this portion here of the scriptures is these four guys who bring their friend to Jesus. Every person in this room, we have people in our life who need Jesus. And so when I read this, I'm immediately challenged by what am I doing about that? What am I doing about bringing people to Jesus? If what I know about Jesus is real and it's changed my life and I believe that the word of God is true, what am I doing to share that? Because those four guys that day, they showed something quite remarkable. That they knew something about Jesus that made them think Jesus is the one we need to get our, our mate to. Jesus is the one. So the challenge is, what are you and I doing about that? I think these four guys were the sort of guys that we would say, they're the no excuses sort of guy. They didn't sort of, he didn't, you know, they didn't know about their friend and think, oh, yeah, look, yeah, mate, there's going to be crowds over there. We don't want to go over there. They'll be too, Jesus will be too busy for you. Or, no, we've got something else on. Or, we're too busy for that. These guys were the no excuses sort of guys. They were the willing-to-do-whatever-it-takes sort of guys. They were the, the, the sort of friends that you really want around you when you're in need. They went out of their way. And when you read back through the, that portion from Mark chapter 2, you know, they just didn't have it easy. They didn't just sort of rock up at the house and be able to take their friends straight into Jesus. They got there and the house was full all the surrounds of the house was busy, people everywhere, and they could have easily said, see, he's too busy, We're, it's not the right day, or it's, we're just going to go home, it's, it's no use. 
No, they didn't do that. They went up the side of the house with this guy on a mat and in those days it wouldn't have been just a matter of taking a few tiles off the roof and getting through and seeing Jesus. It actually, in the scripture said, they had to dig through. It probably would have been a bit of a mud, a mud type roof. So these guys were the willing to do whatever it takes sort of friends. The friends who go the extra mile. But they also knew, these friends knew that it wasn't about them. They were the ones who brought him to Jesus that day. But they knew that Jesus had something that they didn't have at that stage. He had the power to transform their life. And they knew that it wasn't about them. The thing I think we learned from these four friends is that you and I have within us the ability to help, to be the sort of friends who are the willing to do whatever it takes to speak and show and demonstrate that our God is the God who can help our friends. What are we doing about that? Here we've got a paralysed guy on a stretcher now, who's ever been carried on a stretcher? few of you. What do you see when you're lying on a stretcher? The sky, not much else. What else do you reckon these, this guy on the stretcher would have seen? Peop, the four people's faces he would have seen and the sky. Talk about feeling powerless, don't you reckon? And it reminded me of step one on the bridge program is what is it about? Admitting that I'm powerless. This paralysed guy this day, he had to admit he was powerless to do anything for himself. But he had these friends who went out of their way to say, we know someone, we know someone who can help you. His name's Jesus. And we know if we bring him, you to him, there'll be change in your life. There'll be change. He was powerless. I guess that day he was doing a step one. <laughs> and his friends were helping him to do it. You know, there might be people in your life who are doing whatever it takes to introduce you to Jesus, who are doing whatever it takes to speak into your powerlessness, and you're saying, what? Really? Really? I'm okay. I don't need any help. But in the midst of your powerlessness... There are people who can speak into that and offer you hope. The other amazing thing about this part of the Bible is that when they brought, they lowered this guy, this powerless guy on a stretcher, down in front of Jesus. Remember, the house is full, there's people everywhere, and all of a sudden, imagine being there, can't you? Looking up, and this guy is being lowered on a mat right in front of you to the feet of Jesus. And then Jesus does something. If you remember what we read, he says to this guy, your friend's faith, your friend's faith has made you well. Now that's quite an amazing, because we think it's all about our faith. But what a great statement that sometimes our faith in people, our belief, our standing alongside someone, our championing someone, might be the very thing that they need. And you and I every day have the choice. Are we going to be those sort of friends in people's lives? 
that will stand with people before Jesus and say, this is my friend. He, he needs you. She needs you. She's powerless. He's powerless. He's run out of options. Because Jesus that day said it wasn't the faith of the man, but it was his friends. When Jesus said, because of your friends, your sins are forgiven. And you know, before Jesus healed him, he talked about his sins being forgiven. And I wonder when I read this, is, is it in, the, in Jesus' eyes, being forgiven is more important than having physical healing. And we don't like to, well, you know, we don't really like that. We think, no, well, we want everyone to be healed. But the scripture does say, close, say quite often that many came to Jesus and were healed. But not everyone. But anyone who surrendered to Jesus had their sins forgiven. And the very first thing that Jesus offered to that man was your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Being in a right relationship with God is even better, Jesus is saying, I believe, than a physical healing. It's a tough one. But I think that's what Jesus is showing us here. My state before God is more important than any healing I might receive physically. Now, if you were listening when, we, when I read the portion from the Bible, there were these guys sitting around in the house that day who were called Pharisees, who were like the teachers of the religious law. And the next bit from the Bible after the sins are forgiven is Jesus looks at these guys, there probably was a few of them, and they were out to get Jesus. They were out to find fault with him. They were out to, you know, look through what he was saying and, and see where he could be doing the wrong thing. And he looked at these guys and said, I know what you're thinking. They didn't say anything. But the Bible says that he, he pointed to them and said, I know what you're thinking. Wow. Do we always want God to know what we're thinking? Would you, you like to have affirmed with you tonight that God knows what's in your heart, what's in your mind right now? Not a, it's not an overly comfortable thought, is it always? To think that every day our God would have awareness of how we're thinking? Wow. That puts things in a whole different perspective, doesn't it? That God would know what I'm thinking. And he knew these guys were out to get him. And he said, I know what you're, what you're thinking. And he ended up rebuking them and challenged their thinking. When I read this, I'm reminded that just like the Pharisees are to Jesus, there will always be naysayers in our life, isn't there? There'll always be people going, oh, that's, oh, I can see that you're trying to do the right thing, but not going to last. Not going to last. It's just fleeting. It's just, you know, you're just having, you know, putting it all on. You're putting on a show or it's not really real. I don't believe you. Well, who's got naysayers in their life? You know, people who are always pointing out the faults, always negative. I reckon there's more than 20 of us who have naysayers in our life. <laughs> yeah, a few more putting up their hands now. I think there'll always be those people in our life, people who say you can't do that. Jesus certainly had them, and here he was, the Son of God. 
It also reminds me that Jesus sees the way you and I think, even when it's not so good. It also shows me that sometimes we make complex what God says is simple. For Jesus that day, it was as simple as saying to the man, your sins are forgiven, and then end up giving him physical healing. For the Pharisees, it was all about obedience to rules and regulations and law. We can make complex what God has said is simple. And the Pharisees were were renowned for that. They loved to look on and catch Jesus out. But you know, Jesus really says back to the Pharisees, you don't think I have the authority to forgive sins? I've done it. You watch me. And you now watch me heal this man. And physically, that's what happened. Because the man gets what his friends had always envisaged for him when they picked him up that morning from his home. When each of them took one corner of the mat and walked the distance to the place where they knew Jesus was. They envisaged that that day Jesus would heal their friend. And they were willing to do whatever it takes to get him to that place where Jesus would see him and Jesus did and he saw him and he said to him get up take up your mat and go home get up take up your mat and go home a miracle occurred in that guy's life that day and heaps of people heaps of people got to look on and see the miracle for themselves as well When a miracle occurs in your life or my life, heaps of people around get to look on and see what God has done. What a great thing. What a great thing that others can be influenced and be amazed at what God is doing. And when they get amazed and they witness, and the witness is that Jesus did it, God is praised in that. I'd ask the band to come up and they're going to use this little song that speaks about the greatness of God. And I believe in Mark chapter 2 we saw the greatness of God displayed in what Jesus did for that man that day. In his powerlessness, he forgave his sins and he healed him physically. He did a miracle. In the midst of his powerlessness, he performed a miracle. I don't know what you're powerless over tonight. Maybe yourself, maybe your ability to think well, maybe your ability to make good decisions, maybe you're powerless over a situation in your life that you don't have an answer for, maybe you're powerless over something you're, you're looking on to and you're saying, what's that about? Where do I go with that? I'm powerless to know the answer. And even in your own spirit of powerlessness, the steps of the bridge program say that out of powerlessness can come a surrender to a God that is largely unknown to us, still a mystery how he works, and yet he does. And he has the ability and the power to work in our life to the point where he says to us, get up, get up from where you are today and take up, take up the things that are yours and go home, go home 
to me. I think it's a going home to God. It's going home to an awareness of, of who He is. And so in your powerlessness tonight, this song invites us to step into the greatness of our God and to say, let the miracle that you worked in that man's life work in mine tonight. And it may be a physical healing. And we've prayed for people for that tonight. And we would continue to lift those people up. But more importantly, Jesus offered firstly forgiveness of sins and then the healing. Because he knew that it was important for us each. Young woman, young man, older woman, old man, young child. To get ourselves right with God first. And then continue to see the miracle unfold. So let's sing this song and, and let's make our peace with God like this man did. You might have friends here and you might want to go and stand with them and say, I'm with you tonight. I'm your friend who's standing in the gap with you and praying and believing that God's going to do a, a miracle in your life. You're going to be like one of those guys who dug through the mud and found a spot for them to place their friend before Jesus. So let's sing, how great is our God? And let's respond as God reveals to us, kneeling, going and praying with someone, standing with someone and having a hand on their shoulder. Whatever it is, let's be open to what God is saying to us tonight. The splendor of the King.